Hello. You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast on basketball and other shenanigans. Danny Green, I'm mad at Danny Green. I just want to thank everybody that's been in my corner during this time. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, man. I'm the clamp guy. I am the Giannis Antetokounmpo Whoa. of Lion Center. Eddie Sun. Probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. Because <laughs> we don't got that clutch connection. And Julio Martinez. On uh, Giannis and the Bucks, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Please clap. It comes from at underscore underscore uh, Kalu2 on Twitter. Bro, the fact that you knew there were two underscores before the to at underscore underscore Kalu. He knows your that, Twitter. That means I'm tweeting it too much. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball. Welcome back to another episode of Hoop and Holler. You already know what it is. It's your host, Reagan Griffin, joined by Julio Martinez and Eddie Sun. You know the drill. Before we do absolutely anything, we have to address each other. How are we doing today? I'm very excited that the NBA dropped new jerseys, and they, mm. you know, it, it's a consistent theme that they're doing every single year. They're doing throwbacks, new designs, and I got to say, I've always been a fan of these Philly jerseys, uh, maybe because, you know, I I love the colors and because I love AI, but it's like a mix of the throat, the the black jerseys they just premiered today Mm -hmm. or yesterday. Yeah. It's like a mixture of like a throwback to AI with the black, but also like a new design. And it it was special. Yeah, I like them too. I like them too. I really like them. Yeah. It's funny because people who know me know that I like um, black apparel, you know, black thing, you know, cause like I wear all black pretty much all the time. It's sleek, you know, it's smooth, but I've kind of wondered whether, you know, jerseys are becoming too, you know, whether they're using black too much as like their base color, you know, because at the same time, it's also kind of like boring and I like the Philly uniforms because they have the red and blue trim. I love trim on jerseys. But um, teams keep on going to, like, dark alternates to, like, jerseys. And, I mean, they're, they're okay, but I kind of like, you know, brighter, more, more vivid colors when we're looking at, you know, uniforms and things like that. I feel like I'm the opposite way. I like a dark base with bright contrast. Like, uh, I like Denver's, you know, navy blue with the rainbow on it. I think that's pretty cool. Um, I don't know. I've always been a fan of dark with light, <clears throat> with, like, neon or something like that. But you know what I kind of noticed? Y'all never ask me how I'm doing. I always ask you guys how you're doing. It's never Reagan. How are you doing? You know, there's never a response. So, you know, what? I'm going to take it upon myself to tell you how I'm doing since no one cares, apparently. After last episode, I posted um, the, the trade proposal, the four-way trade between the Lakers, the Pistons, uh, the Thunder, and... Who was the last team? The 76ers to Twitter? You were, you were an NBA Twitter sensation. Bro, it got blasted. It got blasted. I forgot how stupid Lakers fans can be. I literally had people in my mentions talking about Taylor Horton Tucker. Taylor Horton Tucker is too valuable to give up to get Chris Paul. I can see from a standpoint of maybe the contract hurts you in the long run if you get Chris Paul. Maybe, you know, you're putting yourself in a difficult position. You should be using your max contract for something else. But when we're talking about the dudes that people were complaining about all year, KCP, Danny Green, Taylor Horton Tucker, Kyle Kuzma, people were in the mentions complaining about these dudes all year long. Now, all of a sudden, 
it's too much to give up for a guy like Chris Paul who immediately comes in and contributes to winning basketball? That's beyond me. That That is beyond me. Yeah, my only argument against the Chris Paul trade is, is the fact that, you know, looking at the future uh, of plans, but, you know, at face value, you know, Chris Paul versus other these others, I mean, um, you know, it, it's an easy decision at face value. My concern is in the future. But, yes, Laker fans can be that way because um, we want every we want every player so and we want them for nothing evidently like we want them to we want to give up absolutely nothing for them but I digress we'll get into more Chris Paul trade talk later but in other news we have a new CBA and one that certain executives around the NBA are not happy with particularly as it relates to the Golden State Warriors Eddie you have a pretty good grasp on what's going on so I'll let you do kind of the background for the audience what's going on with this new uh, uh, agreement between the players and the ownership yeah, so basically, the players agreed to uh, start the season December uh, 22, right? So along with that, they had to agree to um, when, like, free agency would start, when players can get signed, things like that. But then also, obviously, salary numbers. And what people thought was going to happen because of the bubble, because of no attendance, because of COVID, was that the salary cap number would go down. But it's not going to happen. It's actually going to stay the same, which is a really, you know, it's a really good thing. It means the health of the league. Um, it's not as bad as we thought. And then same thing with the luxury tax number. It's going to be the same number as last year, I believe. The big difference, though, is that um, teams in the luxury tax will be penalized proportional to whatever um, basketball-related income there is. So it won't be the original penalty. It'll be whatever portion of it that's proportional to however much money the NBA makes this year. And obviously, because there's probably not going to be as much attendance um, maybe the uh, the TV deal should stay the same, but they're not going to make as much money, so the tax penalties won't be as large. And this ultimately benefits the Warriors probably most out of any team because the Warriors are already an over-the-tax team with another $17 million trade exception that they can use. Originally, they would have been penalized somewhere like $80 million for using it. Now, depending on how much money the league loses, you know, they save like 30, 40, 50 million dollars. And that means the Warriors have no reason to not be spending this money. Um, it gives them incentive to really fill out the rosters, go up to like 170, 180 million on their salary payroll. Um, and that's why a lot of, you know, teams are a little unhappy. They know that in 2016, that salary cap jump allowed them to sign Kevin Durant, you know, uh, uh, just coincidentally. Now again, you know, this kind of luxury tax provision might allow them to sign another good player for nothing. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a lot of pettiness. It's a lot of, you know, jealousy maybe, but Hey, it's, it's good to be back in this position again, where people are, are, you know, hating on the warriors. Elite capitalism. <laughs> it sounds like elite money uh, moving around and making sure that the franchise is set up in a healthy position financially in the long run. And, you know, kind of away from the CBA, but just from the Warriors' projections into the next season. This is why I tell people what was enough for the Lakers to go and win a championship last year is not going to be enough to go win a championship next year. Not when you have the Warriors, you have a rejuvenated, um, motivated Clippers, and you have the Brooklyn Nets. It's not going to be enough. But Julio, what are you thinking about all of this, man? What does it mean for the league, for a certain team? How are you feeling about it? I mean, I just don't think teams should be looking at the Warriors with not necessarily spite, but even like jealousy if things break. I mean, in, in sports, that, that's a part of sports in a game or, you know, in this scenario with the cap and, and all that. 
sometimes things break your way, sometimes things don't, and you just can't complain. It's not like the Warriors caused this, you know, this whole coronavirus so that the NBA could lose all of its revenue so that they could take advantage of this moment and having four max players with the ability to maybe get another all-star. So, it, I mean, pe- I mean, people can't look at the Warriors like they caused all of this. Uh, are they going to benefit? Maybe. And if they do, I mean, that's their prerogative. So, I mean, teams shouldn't be looking at the Warriors like – uh, uh, you know, with jealousy or anything like that. And, and I mean, we have to take a look at this, uh, the, the stipulations of the salary cap number. And ultimately, the biggest winner is not even the Warriors or any team. It's the players. Yeah. Um, this means that, you know, they'll be making the same amount of money as they did last year. And, you know, after COVID, after all of this, that they'll, you know, the health of the league financially is still the same, is really good for the players. Um, so ultimately, if, if, if you're just a player, any player, you've got to be really happy, I think, because you can go into free agency knowing that the market will still be the same as it was before. Yeah, it's going to be, I mean, that that's that's huge, right? Because we were talking about, I remember Julio, you brought it up, um, what it would mean for a guy like Steph and his contract and what it would mean for a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie. And then what would it mean for guys kind of at the bottom tier of, of making money in the league? If I'm making, what, $400,000, now I'm looking at $200,000 and some change. Um, that would have been a huge hit. And the fact that that's no longer going to be that drastic, um, that's great for the players. And that's part of why this uh, December 22nd start date was evidently so important. Um, as I've said in the past, not fucking with folks' bags. Um so the bags are secured. Everything is well and good in the NBA, and it seems like uh, you know the health of the league is in a pretty good spot right now. But yeah, and um, oh, go ahead. Oh my bad. I thought <laughs> I didn't realize that was a transition. But um, this was probably what the players' association negotiated. They're like, if we're gonna start this soon, you know, you better not take any money from us. And you know, they probably did a really good job in hammering that point in to the point where Adam Silver was cool with it. And probably a lot of the owners as well. Joe Lacob was probably cool with it. You know, a lot of these owners who were already going to be spending in the tax were going to be cool with it. So ended up being a, a win, win, win for the most part. Cool means, man. So let's go ahead and move on to what we were, some of the stuff we were talking about at the top of this show, Chris Paul trades, except now it's not going to be a four team Reagan Griffin orchestrated deal. It's going to be some stuff that's been thrown out in the room mill, apparently to the Phoenix Suns. Um, might be looking for the services of the veteran point guard, Chris Paul. Maybe I personally think that this is a move by the Suns that tells me that they are in a position where Devin Booker might want to jump ship. And they're trying to prove to him that they're really ready and willing to compete right now. Um and to do that, I think shows him, or at least it is an attempt to show him that they're going to be able to compete in the near future and not have him want to jump ship or demand a trade or something like that. So what do you guys think about these rumors of Chris Paul potentially going to Phoenix? Yeah, it screams, you know, them being desperate. I mean, it, it's the first thought that came into my head. Um, and maybe they want to capitalize and convince Devin Booker, you know, that they want to capitalize on this moment that, you know, they went 8-0 and in the bubble and with you know chris paul obviously he's not in his full prime but he's still a great player he's still an all-star so they want to pair him with devin booker with deandre ayton uh perhaps uh kelly o uh obrey unless they would have to trade him um but yeah that's exactly what they want to show devin booker that you know they're in a win now mode 
and you know that they, they don't want to lose him of course i'm with you that at first i was like why are the suns doing this you know their players are all young and they've got solid pieces and you know julio hates the word solid young pieces <laughs> but i mean they really do like you know between booker and ayton you know those are two really good cornerstones and, and i love mikhail bridges i think cam johnson was a really good draft pick that people you know, didn't get why the Suns drafted him so high at first, but he turned out to be really solid. Um, but then you look more into it and you go, well, what would the Suns have to give up to get Chris Paul? And it's going to be something along the lines of Ricky Rubio, who, you know, if you get Chris Paul in place of him, that's a plus. And Kelly Oubre, who was a guy who's looking like he would be without a role on that team. And then maybe like, you know, a first round summer in the future. And, you know, you, you look at it and you go, well, what does Phoenix really have to lose? Because, they look good enough where they can try to compete, not for a championship maybe, but, you know, just for a playoff spot, maybe to go in the second round. And Chris Paul can really do that and bring, like, stability to a lot of young players. And if you can get the young players, especially Devin Booker, on board with a winning mentality, something that he hasn't felt up until maybe last year, that is, like, a huge convincing argument um, for Devin Booker to stay because all you need is that taste of winning that taste of competitiveness and it it can really draw players in and um, it just depends on whether Chris Paul wants to be in Phoenix and if he um, I think Phoenix if all they have to give up is Rubio and Uber and a first you know they should really go for it interesting I think if you're Phoenix, there's no reason necessarily not to go for this, uh, especially like you talked about as an upgrade at the point guard position. It puts you in a situation where you're immediately competing with some of the top teams in the West, assuming that you're able to replicate the level of play that you showed us in the bubble, which I'm not sure how much stock to put into too much. I don't put too much stock into those eight games because, right, teams get hot for an eight-game stretch. It happens before. Um, But they are a young up-and-coming team, and you put Chris Paul in there. Fortunately, there is a situation money-wise where he can fit with that, you know, piss-poor contract in that team for a little bit um, before he, you know, ultimately might want to jump ship or retire, whatever it looks like at the end of this current contract for Chris Paul. They can handle that for this time, uh, for this period. Um, I just wonder, like you said, does he want to go to Phoenix? Because if if he comes out and says, yeah, I'm not playing in Phoenix, is this a deal that can even happen? No, definitely not. Right. So, hint, hint, Chris Paul, you go ahead and uh, go ahead and make the make the make the adjustment there. You know, you know where but you want to be, man. But I, but I feel like these discussions might not even be happening in the first place if management didn't get the okay from Chris Paul that Phoenix was an okay destination. But see, I'm thinking the flip side because if the Thunder are talking with the Suns already and the, and the reporting seems credible, then Chris Paul must be okay with going to Phoenix. Because That's what I'm saying. I, 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 I don't think that Sam Presti, you know, as such a well-respected general manager, would just um, exactly. disregard Chris Paul's wishes. So clearly, he's okay with it. Yeah, I think I, he, I think he'd be okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, in and other news, oh, did you have something to add? Because I know Julio uh, was looking at, you know, trying to come up with a proposed deal here, um, and I kind of was thinking about an interesting deal framework that might work here, and it involves obviously, you know, Chris Paul to the Suns. And then we talked about Kelly Oubre as a piece, but the Warriors have that uh, $17 million trade exception, you know, that um, I talked about earlier. Oubre was a name that people love attaching the Warriors to, and I can 
I can see why, um, you know, he's a wing, he's a forward. He, he kind of fills in a role that the Warriors could use and fits in perfectly in that trade exception. So what happens if, um, and there's obviously going to be other pieces, but the framework of the deal is CP3 goes to the Suns. The Suns give Ubre to the Warriors and the Warriors give that number to pick um, to the Thunder. Um, there's obviously going to be other things in play. You're, you, you're trading that number one pick for Ubre? I mean, it's not, it's obviously you're going to have to get other draft assets back. So maybe instead of the number 10 pick going to Thunder from Phoenix, the number 10 from Phoenix heads to the Warriors. So essentially the Warriors trade down from two to 10. Obviously that's a lot of machinations. I'm sorry for the listeners who can't follow along, but something along those lines, like it makes sense. If, yeah. you know, the I feel like the Thunder would need a bit more. That, no, I'm, the Thunder The Thunder would be getting, um, the two. Well, I guess the Thunder would be getting number two and that's it in this proposed deal. And Rubio, which I don't know what value Rubio has. He was kind of good last year. but it, it, I mean, even so, if I'm the Warriors, you got to look at getting a, an established star. And I know how much he, you know, improved and showed that, you know, he, he, he'll he be a legit player in this league, Ubre, but I don't know. You got to get somebody better, even if it's him plus more draft capital. Eddie's trying to get the sexiest starting lineup in the league. <laughs> Just go straight Curry to Clay to Kelly Oubre. Uh, I, 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 I put together a deal, but I'm not even going to try to go through it on the pod right now because it'll get too confusing. What's, what's the three- bare bones of it? It's a three-team deal between the Suns, Thunder, and the Spurs. Suns, Thunder, and Spurs. The Spurs. Yeah. What's like the biggest piece that each each thing gets? Each team. Suns get uh, CP and Patty, Patty Mills. That is uh, OKC gets the biggest one would be DeRozan, which you know, maybe they want him, maybe they don't, because uh, his contract is going to expire soon. Um, but they would also get Ubre, uh, Cam Johnson, and Derek White. Which, All that's going you know, to the Thunder. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And the and the Spurs would be getting Stephen Adams, Ricky Rubio, Bridges, and Ty Jerome. Some dude. The Sun. I mean, the first thing I'm thinking is the Suns are not going to give up all of that. For yeah, that's, that's that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Of of course. That, that that I mean that's what I was thinking. But hey, maybe they're desperate to. You know, keep Devin Booker that much. Mm, I would not be surprised, but the Suns seem like they know what they're doing now since last year. Seem like, but they're still owned by Robert Sarver, who is notoriously incompetent. So, I mean, who can really know? Time will only tell. But in other news with point guard trade rumors, you have Russell Westbrook evidently might be on the block. You have the Clippers as a potential destination. And then as Eddie mentioned last podcast, I believe the Knicks are also a, a potential destination for the, for the, uh, for Westbrook, um, which kind of leads me to somewhat of a bold prediction I have for the off season. I might get into that later, but what, what are you guys' initial thoughts on, on this, these rumors with Chris Paul to the Clippers? So I, I wanted to throw this, uh, you mean Russell Westbrook, right? <laughs> I say Chris Paul. Yeah. My yeah, apologies. Yeah. No, no, Russell Westbrook. no you, you're good. No, but I wanted to throw this to you guys. Um, do you, I mean, it, if it's a two-team trade, you almost, you have to give up PG. Or you'd sign and trade Montrez. To make the salaries work, uh, unless it's a three-team deal. Unless you so sign and trade Montrez, right? are you even doing that in right? the first place? 
Yeah, they definitely have to include a third team to make that work. Um, even if you did sign and trade Montrez, I can't imagine Montrez signs for more than 20 mil. Um, so you're missing an extra $10 million to make it work. And I, I wouldn't imagine Houston really wanting Montrez back. Well, sh- shoot. Yeah, they, they definitely dished him out um, before, but I, yeah, I think because, it looks like, like a third team. Like, the only way this deal is working is if, you know, if, if the Rockets are receiving PG, Pat Bev, Ivica Zubas, Rodney Mag- Mag- Magruder, Joakim Noah, and some other dude I, I don't know. And if the Clippers are receiving Westbrook, Covington, and P.J. Tucker to make it worth their while since they're trading away Paul George, do you guys think that's enough to entice them to get off of P.G.? I, I don't think they're they're going to get off of P.G. at all. I think if, if they do make a move for Russell Westbrook, the intention Three, is to yeah. have Russell Westbrook, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George, which leads yeah. me to say, why? You throw Russell Westbrook, that is like throwing the oil. And this was a team that looked a little rigid um, offensively throughout the course of last season. Uh, um, I always like to call it, what was it? Uh, what, what did we say? What was like the, the term that we coined, Eddie, that we were saying? Um, co- cohesive, cohesion issues. That's what we were saying. They had cohesion yeah. issues offensively. You throw Russell Westbrook into the equation... Like that's gonna look really ugly. That that, that like and these are all individual players who I like. I like Kawhi. I like Paul George. I like Russell Westbrook. All three of them together on the same team, outside of the context of All Star Game, get the hell out of my face. That's not gonna work. That's not gonna work. Yeah. To you know, me. Yeah, I had the same thought. But go ahead, Eddie. It's like so we know in the Clippers front office. There's you know the well respected Jerry West. You have Lawrence Frank. Um, another well-respected GM, it would be like one really embarrassing thing if they did get Russell Westbrook. But someone in that front office must have thought that the idea of getting Russell Westbrook and putting it on that team was somewhat of a good idea. And that's honestly just laughable because like that front office should know what they're doing. Like what are they even thinking by putting Westbrook on that team? And like I, I, I mean, I really don't get it. To me, it's like it's it's just embarrassing that they even thought that there was any smoke coming out of that front office that they wanted to get Westbrook. I mean, I'm I'm with you, Reagan. I'm like, why why would they get him? And I I don't see any reason that that makes sense whatsoever. Maybe because they need to fill a need at point guard. But I mean, is Russell Westbrook even really a, a point guard at this point? I mean, like, he is, but he's not the type of point guard that they've been saying that they need, which is somebody who's going to be a court general and, and give the offense some semblance of direction. You give Russell Westbrook the offense. Russell Westbrook is a guy who needs to be the offense. He doesn't. He's not a guy who's going to direct the offense or, or command the offense. He is the offense. So as we've seen, that's when he's at his best. Um, so yeah, that just doesn't work. Now on the flip side, though, the Knicks kind of make sense to me. The, the Knicks would, but um, like, what would they give up for Russell Westbrook? Or are they smart enough to ask Houston to give up stuff with Russell Westbrook to take on that contract? Probably. I mean, I think really it's a, I think question. it's one of those things to where it, it might end up being like mutually beneficial to the point where both teams kind of understand what they're getting into and are willing to accept that. Like the Knicks, they should be asking for stuff with that contract, right? But they also know, or or at least Houston should know. They're desperate. They're in a desperate enough position to where they might say no. And I don't think the Knicks are willing to be ten toes on the fact that they're going to need stuff in addition to uh, Russell Westbrook's contract. I think they might just be able to go 
even Steven and get it done. Because to me, that seals like the perfect situation for all parties involved, including Russell Westbrook, to give him his own team to make something happen um, like he had that year after Kevin Durant left in OKC. Um, Julio, what are your thoughts? If you're the Rockets, there's no way in hell I'm doing that. I mean, you're in a win-now mode, and as much as people don't like, you know, Russell Westbrook's style of play, your team is getting worse in a a trade with the Knicks. Like, there's no other way around it. Whatever players you get back, it's going to make your team worse. I kind of disagree with you, Julio. And what are you this, gonna get? This, Wayne this, this, I, I'm not saying I'm that. Portis? I'm not disagreeing with you in that that um, it makes your team worse. But I think Houston has exited win now mode. And that that at the top of the segment, I said that I kind of have a, a somewhat of a hot take, I guess, about what happens for Houston going forward. I think they're in blow it up mode, man. So I don't you're going to trade James Harden. I, I think you need to trade James Harden while he still has value, and you got to trade Russell Westbrook while he still has value. Otherwise, you're going to ride this thing out, and you're going to have nothing to show for it. That, 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 I, I think that you have a limited window in terms of the guys that are at the top of your team still holding value and, and extrapolating some sort of value in a trade. Um, and also doing those guys a service and putting them in situations to where they can be happy with their careers. Um, but otherwise, you know, you try to ride it out with James Harden and Russell Westbrook. What's that team ceiling? Second round exits, first round exits. Th- nothing more than that. You might as well. You might as well blow the thing up. See, I think if Houston wanted to blow their team up, there would have been more reports of we're shopping Harden. Um, I mean, obviously, there's a report that they're shopping Westbrook, but we hear it more aggressively. Um, like, I don't know. Like, Harden is still good. Yeah, like, it's not like he's he's shown any sign of getting worse. And obviously, like Westbrook looked bad last year. Last year, but you know, Westbrook does certain things well enough that a lot of other players can't do. And the key is just figuring out a team that can unlock that. You're, I mean, and, you're or, right. Or you can be the Knicks and just hand him the ball and let him mess around for you know 50 percent usage rate or whatever but like i think houston was about as close last year to any team to figuring out how to use westbrook correctly and but the thing I, is that's I mean, not again, the like, that's not I, the I, I, uh... hate on, I hate on westbrook maybe more than any other guy in the world out here but i think that i, I think they can figure it out there, there's something i mean that's there. not the iteration of houston that tried to use russell westbrook like that though that was dan tony and, and maury and they're both but, jump shit i'm saying they're smart enough they're still led by a Maury Neophyte, you know, their new their new GM. Their coach Steven Silas is really creative. I mean, I I, I If you're in that situation though, enough. am I am I saying I want to try to pick up the scraps of the last um the last iteration of our leadership and try to make that work? Or am I gonna no, try I'm not to say like they don't they don't have to play five out like fully small ball. Like no one said they have to copy the D'Antoni Maury style. All I'm saying is that team is creative enough and has enough smart minds to know what Westbrook is good at and know what he's not good at, make sure that he's doing a lot of what he is good at and not doing what he is not good at. And um, it doesn't have to be the five-out small ball, even though I know Maury traded Capella for that reason, but it doesn't have to be that way. Um, I just don't think they're giving up now because, again, like James Harden is too good for you to give up on him. But my thing is is that they they should, and frankly, I think they need to because – even at their best, unless these guys are, are, are you know going to be able to figure it out to the point where they're competing for championships in the near future, I don't give it very much longer until James Harden's kind of unhappy with his situation. Like I said, put yourself in his shoes. 
where you bought into this system and, and you, you've been playing this style of basketball for X amount of years and you have nothing to show for it. And the people who told you to play like that have jumped shipped and are now elsewhere. I'd want to like I would definitely be debating whether or not I still want to be in that situation with a rookie head coach and a team around me that doesn't really seem to function well. How much longer is it until Russell Westbrook's contract is like almost untouchable around the league? Get maximize on this stuff now if you're Houston before it's too late. That's my philosophy. I mean, I think the winning window for Houston is, if not next year, period, maybe two more years before they get too old, you know, and really, like, everything, like, they start to lose their legs and everything. But I disagree that their ceiling is a second-round exit. Like, to me, the Rockets will always be good enough because of James Harden to win a championship. It's just about whether they're finally willing to capitalize on it. Because, I mean, what changed from last year, if anything... They we weren't a championship team last year. But but we knew that they were good enough to win a championship. No, like they, had they were potential. never. Last year, at no point were they good enough to win a championship. I mean, maybe you don't think so, but Julio and I like both thought, and a lot of people around the league knew that there might not be favorites. You know, they might not be the second favorites, but they're good enough to contend for a championship and because they're good enough to contend for a championship, they can win the championship. I mean, to me, um, to say that, you know, there's like a 15 to 20% chance that we can go win a championship, that's not enough. I'm not gambling on that year in and year out when, you know, that that's clearly not come to fruition, right? Like, I, I know the Mori philosophy is, you know, if there's a 10% chance of winning a championship, you go all in on that 10% chance and you do everything in your power to maximize on it. But, you know, that's that's not – I don't feel like that's a good way to do it because I, I – think that we're going to look at this Houston era of basketball if they don't start maximizing on the value of this team in its current iteration soon you're going to come out of it with little to nothing to show for other than some entertaining basketball over the past couple of years which is you know a well, good thing but you know ultimately are you happy with that if you're a Houston Rockets fan I think right now they're at the Raptors point and what I mean by that oh, is no. kind of like the Raptors two years ago you know they fired Dwayne Casey hired Nick Nurse hired a, a rookie head coach hired a creative mind you know, people were all fully out on the Raptors because they, you know, fell flat on their face again in the playoffs. Um, they probably shouldn't have won the championship. A lot of things, you know, like uh, uh, fell um, the right way for them. Like they got a lot of good luck. But, you know, good luck is a part of the process. They also and- had... They also added Kawhi. Like, yeah, like the, the like pieces have to come into place. Like what like, can I the Rockets it, but, but tangibly saying, like, change right now? But what I'm saying like, is what can the Rockets the do right now to take them from the level that they're currently at to say we can go and feel confident about saying we can go beat the Lakers, we can go beat the Clippers, we can go beat the Nuggets, we can go beat the Nets next season. There's nothing that you can do if you're that Houston Rockets team to get you to that point. I don't feel like, or at least maybe I'm missing maybe, something, but there's, there's maybe I don't I'm see on it. an island that I thought last year they were a championship contending team, and I don't think anything changed going to this year that they think they're championship contending team. Maybe they're not as good because they changed their philosophy. Maybe they get even better because they're not playing like a monolith that they actually, you know, can do things outside of ISO and pick and roll, you know, and maybe because of it, like Russell Westbrook ends up becoming better to use than he was before. Like, who knows? Like, I'm not exactly sure. I hear sure a whole lot of maybe, Rafael maybe, Stone maybe, man. And Silas I, I, comes in place. But that's 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 a whole lot year, of they're maybe. They're a championship contending team. They have the same talent. I mean, am I, I missing like something? They, Were they a championship? Julio, help me out here. Were they a championship contending team last season? I thought they 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 went in hot, and I thought they were going to take advantage of Russ. But that's how they constructed their roster to be hot or not. And when you're yeah. not, it, it flops. That's a lot of rhymes there. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. they're not going to be favorites. 
they're, they're not going to be favorites next year, but they're, they're a championship contender. I don't know what I'm missing here. They have James Harden. They still have – they sacrifice everything to have a my, good surrounding my, core around them. My, my thing is it, it's always the same story, though. Like, you have year to get in and year out. You kind, of have, you kind of have to prey on the other team not being optim- – or not optimizing their performance because I estimate that the Warriors are going to do something with that pick that's going to make them better than the Rockets. If not, they're already yep. better than the Rockets. The Denver Nuggets, I mean, as much as, you know, I, I don't really love young teams, they're better than the Rockets. The Lakers are better than the Rockets. The Clippers are better than the Rockets. So you already stand at the very best number five in the West, which, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see because the West does get competitive. But, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know if you blow it up, though. That's difficult. But it would be hard. That, that's point. a that's a huge decision to make. But if that I do, said, I do see your point in in the fact that you can't really. I, I'm looking at the roster now. You can't really make the team better, considering Russ's contract, and you know your only valuable pieces that you're kind of willing to trade away maybe is Covington, and you know nobody really wants to touch Eric Gordon's contract, and PJ Tucker he's 36. This so, team and, is and what like, it what is. A, this is the this is the this is the completely maximized version of what the Houston Rockets were going to be in this era, and it wasn't enough. And the sooner that they swallow that pill and they keep it pushing, the better off that franchise is going to be. But if they try to ride this thing out and think that they can go compete for championships from here moving forward, it's going to get ugly for them when those contracts start. Um, when those contracts starts looking ugly and those legs start giving out. And if I'm a GM, the best guys are the ones who can anticipate those things happening and get out ahead of it before it does happen. Otherwise, you're going to put your franchise in an ugly spot. I mean, I don't know, man. They, they got they got one more year at least in them. They didn't hire a new head coach, you know, a new GM and everything for, for nothing. Of course. You, I mean, you can't just operate without a head coach or a GM. But I think we're good. <laughs> I think that'll do it for this episode of Hoop and Holler. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, go check out the Twitter and Instagram at SQR1Hoops. Go check out Julio's episode that he's dropping soon of Set the Record Straight. You're going to be talking about what? The uh, the best top, players? Without, top go ahead. three players to never win a championship. Top yeah. three players yeah. to never win a championship. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of votes. I, I put a, a, a poll or a few polls on my Instagram stories about, you know, is Melo top three to never win a championship? And the most popular one was Steve Nash. A lot of people are saying, Yes. Interesting. Yes on that one. We'll have to wait and see. So drop in tomorrow at 2.15. Interesting, interesting, interesting. You heard it here first tomorrow at 2.15. Key, stay tuned for maybe the next episode of Journey to Hooper. <laughs> if I'm going to keep dropping those. <laughs> uh, if you want to go check out the last one, Julio pretty much worked me up and down the court all day on episode one. But that's on my YouTube channel. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. And we'll see you next time. This has been the Hoop and Holler Podcast.